0: St. John the Baptist by Father John A. Hardin. The one person whom the liturgy most features during the season of Advent is John the Baptist. He was described by the Saviour as the greatest person ever born of woman. We may be sure the Saviour excluded himself, who is a divine person, and his mother Mary. But John the Baptist was by all accounts the principal figure after Christ himself in the Gospels until the Church was founded. He is the last of the prophets of the Old Testament and the first of the prophets of the New. There are three features about John the Baptist that I believe the Church especially wants us to recognize, and, as far as we can, imitate, John's faith, humility, and fearless courage. John was a man of deep faith. We know, of course, we don't begin to exercise our faith, make acts of faith, until we've reached the age of reason. But we have the faith. We are Christians, from the moment we are baptized. John was not baptized with the sacrament of baptism, but John did receive sanctifying grace even before he was born. The moment Mary came close to John's mother, John, not yet born, recognized the Messiah and leaped for joy, the joy of the faith that he recognized that Jesus, whom Elizabeth correctly identified as her Lord. John's faith all through life was the first virtue that we are to both admire and imitate. But let's be clear about how much of John's faith is imitable. It is mainly, but not only, that John recognized who Christ was. John also recognized who man is. John recognized man as a sinner who needs a redeemer. That's why, when he identified the Savior and pointed him out as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, there are really two articles of faith combined in that title. There are faith in Christ as the incarnate Son of God who redeems, and faith in man's being a sinner who needs redemption. I dare say in imitating John, we need to learn both. Both who Christ is, the Son of God in human form, and who we are, sinners, desperately in need of redemption. Secondly, John the Baptist was not only a man of deep faith, he was a man of profound humility. Everything about him reflects this. Remember how he spoke about the Master. I baptize you with water, but one greater than I will come after me, the latchet whose shoes I am not worthy to loosen. He begged the Savior, you should baptize me, not I, you. And a phrase I recommend we memorize. He must increase, and I must decrease. What a formula for humility. That we make sure no one is glorified by what we do except the Christ for whom we labor. Finally, John the Baptist was a man of fearless courage. My friends, it takes a lot of courage to tell the truth. John told the truth. I believe the single greatest need in the church today is for people in the church especially those who have authority and positions of leadership, to tell the truth and live the truth. John spoke the truth. John lived the truth. That is why he died a martyr's death. John, the Lord's precursor, is featured as such in the Advent liturgy because his responsibility was to prepare people to receive Christ. All of us, in greater or lesser measure, are to help people find Jesus. John should be our model. Deep faith, profound humility, and fearless courage. John the Baptist, forerunner of the Savior, help us to prepare our own souls and the hearts of others for that Christmas day for which we were all born. My definition of heaven, when the God who became man in Bethlehem will embrace us with his human arms and tell us, and for all eternity it will be true, you belong to me. Christmas, the Turning Point of History by Father John A. Hardin Most people take for granted that we number the years as we do. This year is 1990, but behind the number is not only a fact of history, it is the turning point of history. It separates two ages in the annals of the human race, before Christ, B.C., and in the year of the Lord, A.D., since the birth of Jesus Christ. There is more than passing value in asking ourselves, what do we mean when we say that Christmas Day literally divides two eras of mankind? The centuries before Bethlehem, and now almost two millennia since Mary gave birth to her son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. No one has written more eloquently than St. Paul about the condition of the human race before the coming of Christ. Both Jews and Greeks were all under sin. There is not just one man. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. All we have gone astray together, they have become worthless. There is none who does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have dealt deceitfully, the venom of asps is beneath their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are sworn to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. See Romans chapter three verses ten to eighteen. All that we know about the pre Christian world verifies this strong language of the apostle. Abortion and infanticide were legalized. Ambition, greed, and lust were glorified. The world before Christ was a world steeped in sin. God became man and came into the world to redeem the world from sin. Any other estimate of Christmas Day is not Christian. It was because he wanted to free us from the slavery of sin and give us the freedom of the children of God that God was born at Bethlehem. At the Annunciation, the angel told Our Lady, "'You shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus.' Sometime later, the angel explained to Joseph not to worry about Mary being with child, because that which is begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. The very name Jesus means Savior, which for the believing Jews before Christ meant that the Messiah would deliver a fallen human race from slavery to sin. The experience of liberation from sin is peace. This is what Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, said about Christ. The Orient from on high, who has visited us, to shine on those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is also what the angels promised to the shepherds at Bethlehem. Because the Saviour has been born to you, there will therefore be peace on earth among men of goodwill. The advent of the Son of God in human flesh has changed the world for those who believe. Because of His birth at Bethlehem, we now have access to the peace of God in a way never before available. Through the sacrament of reconciliation. Because of his birth at Bethlehem, we now have the assurance of God's friendship through the sacrament of the Eucharist, in which we receive the same Jesus whom Mary brought forth on Christmas Day. Because of his birth at Bethlehem, we now have available the fullness of divine truth through the church, which the Son of Mary established to teach us what we must know to reach our eternal destiny. Because of his birth at Bethlehem, we can now tap the resources of divine power which comes from Christ to enable us to live up to the humanly impossible demands he places on those who are called by his name. All of this and more has come into the world through the coming of Christ. But sadly, not everyone has this peace of divine forgiveness, or joy of Christ's friendship, or conviction of possessing the truth, or the strength of coping with the trials of life. As we approach the end of the second millennium of Christian history, we see widespread conflict between people, which is the result of disturbance within people. We see broken treaties, broken marriages, broken families, and broken vows, which are the result of broken friendship with God. So we ask, where is this peace that was promised at Bethlehem? Where? In the hearts of those who believe. After the shepherds heard the angel's directive, they went with haste, as they were told. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, and when they had seen, they understood what they had been told them concerning this child. Their simple faith gave them an understanding of Christ's living presence on earth. Our faith in his continued presence in our midst will provide us, too, with an experience of that peace which only he, and not the world, can give. It is the tranquility of a mind that sees divine order in a world in turmoil. It is happiness of soul that comes to those who, like Mary, ponder on God's mysterious ways but never question his divine purpose in every event in their lives.